0: Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we're speaking with Catherine Reynolds-Lewis. Catherine is a certified parent educator with the Parent Encouragement Program, an award-winning journalist, and author of the popular book, The Good News About Bad Behavior, which brings the tools of narrative journalism to the question of why kids don't do what you want. Catherine is the perfect person to speak with us about parenting and relaunching. Many relaunchers are returning to work after childcare career breaks and need to transition their kids to new routines at home when they relaunch their careers. Catherine gives advice on how to involve kids in the job search, when to introduce new childcare arrangements, how to manage new routines in the household, and how transparent to be on the ups and downs of the relaunch process, both before and after starting a job, and we're going to cover all of that today. Catherine, welcome to 321 iRelaunch.
1: Thank you so much, Carol. It's great to be with you. Uh, The article I wrote for the Washington Post magazine about a job relaunch was my first big career break, and I, of course, cited iRelaunch, and I've really enjoyed following your work since then.
0: I remember that
1: article well.
0: And I I think we did an early uh, give and take live or, you know, with with the um, Washington Post. And it was sort of one of these early Twitter conversations. And I don't even know if they do it that way anymore. But that was one of my first times doing that that kind of a follow up to an article, so we broke new ground together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but since then, you've written on a whole range of topics, and you've zeroed in on on this parenting topic, and you wrote this awesome book, uh, and I know that it's made a big splash. Uh, and so I, I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to get your advice on parenting topics that are relating to relaunching. So can we first start by talking about life transitions in general and and how they impact kids of different ages? Uh, Because, of course, when you are home with a child and then you relaunch your career, everyone's structure and framework changes. And it's a big transition, not only for the relauncher, but for the family.
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, when it comes to transitions, uh, I'll talk about the sort of broader life transition. Of course, we all are familiar, parents are all familiar with that immediate separation of dropping the kid off at preschool or waving goodbye to your child as they head off to college. And that's the sort of immediate in the moment separation, which has its own pang, right? Um, and, and kids do go through a phase of separation anxiety right around six months to 18 months. But um, that's uh, that's sort of a different topic. And when we're talking, about life transitions, we're really talking about this huge shift in a child's life from a lot of time with their parents, whether you're 100% um, with them or 90%, right? They're used to you being there. And so for our little kids, zero to two, they just need to know that they are safe, they're cared for by a responsive an adult, and that they have a predictable routine. And, and over time our kids, our little kids will just get used to a new caregiver. And you may have seen that already with a babysitter or a parent-in-law who who watches the little kids for a while. By three or four, our kids are becoming more aware of the adult world. And so transitions will provoke more questions in them. And you always want to just answer where the child is when they're asking. Um, our, Our older early childhood kids, the five to eight year olds, are really in a much better position to help with the transition to make charts to help with organizing and they experience it also as something that's happening to them but if they can be involved in some way that can really help them to feel empowered and and less of a loss of control and then older than that really is where we want to build our kids independence and really give them some glimpse inside of our adult world of what's happening with us as these transitions are happening with them so they're much more able to be fully aware of, you know, this is a huge change for our family, you know, with the a parent going back to work outside the home, or you know, potentially traveling for work, and um, and so they're really going to be able to be engaged in the conversation around it, and also to see it um, with almost more adult eyes that to understand how it's happening to the adult as well as to the child. But children are above all else, you know, they're in, self interested, mm-hmm. so they will experience it first as how does it affect my life, right? Mm-hmm. So if we can put our adult lenses on and and try to make sure that the ways that it infects their life, we've planned for and thought through so that nothing takes them by surprise or seems out of control.
0: Thank you. It's very interesting to hear about it across different age groups. And, you know, the fact that we're in Covid right now on um, the conversations that we have had with relaunchers who, are, have just relaunched are in the early weeks or months of their transition. They've actually said that COVID and work from home, and we don't know, you know, how work from how long work from home will, will stay beyond COVID. But it's actually made the return to work transition somewhat gentler and easier because they are back at work, but they're still around physically, and so th- that's a whole new dynamic that we're thinking about.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. So what
0: recommendations do you have for parents who are planning a future relaunch? So they are thinking they're going to be taking a career break. They are trying to do some advanced planning to get their kids in the the best mindset and ready. How should they do that if they have the luxury of planning in advance?
1: Well, I always start any parental advice with know your children, right? You know your child best. So you're going to be guided by everything you already know about your kids and how they handle change how they react to new circumstances. And this is one of those parts of, of all of our temperament, but our children's temperament in particular, that is often just in inborn, right? That they're just wired to be fearful or they're wired to be excited about new things. So um, with that groundwork, I would say it's never too early to start talking about it because um, one of the great things about raising kids is that you get to give your children this preview of what adulthood looks like. Mm-hmm. And so the more glimpses we can give them into these kinds of adult decisions, the better prepared they'll be to make them when it's their turn. So uh, you always want to be honest, right? But also be positive, lead with courage, right? It can be a little scary to jump back into um, to a career. And, you know, you have we have all these feelings that I know you talk a lot about, Carol, of, you know, am I good enough or this sort of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. um, that everyone has, but especially in this situation. So you want to not hide that, but also try to lead with courage. So Frame it as something exciting that you're hoping to do. You can be vulnerable and 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 try to model comfort with uncertainty. You know, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I'm excited about the opportunity and I'm going to ask for everyone's help. Um, and I really am going to rely on you guys. And then you'll see if your kids become anxious about it, then maybe you talk about it a little less, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to be responsive to how your children respond.
0: Right. And I I love that idea of role modeling. Uh, And, you know, these relaunch processes can take a long time and there are ups and downs. And as you're saying, it's important to know your child in terms of the transparency piece. But let's say you're going through a long stretch where you're not really making any progress or you got through a uh, interview process to a certain point and then were rejected. Do you share that in a as constructive a way as possible with your child, or is it better to only focus on the positive parts of it?
1: Oh, I think it's really important to share all emotions with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, To the extent that it doesn't scare them, right? So we never want our kids to feel that we're out of control, whether it's anger or grief or, you know, anything that's scary to them because we don't seem to be in control or that their life may not be in control, that, you know, we're going to not have enough money or, you know, we're going to have to move and those sort of really big questions that To us, we may know in context that's not gonna happen, but they can extrapolate in ways that we don't anticipate. So with that caveat, yes, it's good for our kids to be exposed to the whole range of human emotions because then they also can express everything to us, not just their positive, happy feelings, but their fear and their anger and their sadness and their guilt and again, that's another wonderful opportunity for modeling. I really like the work of Mark Brackett, who um, runs the Center for Emotional Intelligence at Yale and the Child Study Center. And he talks about raising our children's emotional literacy and helping to become emotion scientists, where we really can accept all of the emotions in life. So being vulnerable with our kids when we have a setback, you know, accepting comfort from them, that can be a really empowering thing for our children to bring us a hot cup of tea if we just got a rejection or to give a back rub. You know, if our children can be part of the process in the good and the bad, then they also feel more ownership. So I hope that that makes it clear. It is a balance, right? Because we never want to give the most raw feelings to our, our right. little kids, especially. But I do think it's it's a valuable opportunity, because then they also can have their, you know, their, their setbacks and learn that it's okay. And if, if their parents can, you know, experience disappointment and persevere, then they feel, well, you know, my mess ups and my mistakes and my failures, I maybe can take in stride as well.
0: Yeah, I, again, that role modeling piece. And, you know, kids, of course, are experiencing rejection along the way as they grow up. And so to have them see their parent experience rejection and, and model reaction to it in real time, uh, I could see how that is an opportunity, as, yes. as you're saying.
1: And I will say another thing that I've learned over, you know, the 20 years that I've been a parent is I've learned much better self-talk myself because I have to do it in front of my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe t- 20 years ago, I would have a failure and say, oh, I was so stupid. I can't believe I I didn't double check the for typos on the resume and this sort of really negative critical tone towards myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because I'm doing it in front of my kids, I know that it's never helpful to tear someone down, whether it's yourself or uh, another person. And so I've had to develop better ways of of managing my own emotions. So, as I often some say to people, uh, parenting is this fabulous personal growth opportunity, right? For us to even be better at managing our emotions because we have to be those role models for our kids.
0: Right. And this also this whole idea of involving your child in the process at you know whatever is appropriate uh, for them, or whatever stage they're at, and I guess their personality, but. Um, I remember trying to do things like, I'm getting this question about what my three strengths are, like, what would you, how would you answer that about me Uh, kind of thing? Or, um, you know, maybe for one of my older kids, take a look at this job description. What do you think about that? And I want to practice talking about how I feel I have skills that match it. How do you feel about this whole draw, really actively bringing the kids into the job search process itself?
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. If your kids are open to it and excited about it, um it it is is it gives them a real feeling of contribution. And in my book, The Good News About Bad Behavior, I talk about how important these these three things are for our children's healthy um, self-development and to become independent, resilient uh, adults is to be able to really contribute to the family. I talk about the three C's. connection with an adult that's close to them, communication in a respectful, healthy way, and then capability building and contribution is the fourth one, or the third one, sorry. And so whenever our kids can contribute to the household or to your life, it gives them such a feeling of empowerment and it really helps them step up and take more responsibility. So whenever our kids are acting up, you know, misbehaving or starting fights, I often think of that as a child who is unemployed and needs some job, right? They need to mm-hmm. contribute in mm-hmm. a way. So when they can contribute by helping you practice interviews mm-hmm. or even like in the old days when we used to put resumes into envelopes right, and, <laughs> right. and mail them, um, you know, any of those kinds of tasks are meaningful to them. So I, I love it. The more, the merrier.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about this transition from we're just talking about the job search process, but then I want to talk a little bit about uh, the once you're you have the job and in the early weeks of of having the job, what do you should you be talking to your kids about in terms of how routines are going to change around the household, how they can be involved. I mean, do you have a family meeting? Do you make a chart? Like, how do you go about that conversation and actually making it happen?
1: Yes. Uh, family meeting is one of the most important tools that I uh, use and recommend for uh, successfully managing your family. So we do a weekly family meeting. It starts with an appreciation of every person in the family from every other person in the family, which builds a culture of gratitude. And yes, your children will give backhanded compliments for the first few weeks, right? I appreciate Samantha for not being so annoying, but then like (laughs) they start to understand how great it feels to be acknowledged and noticed for what you contribute to the family. Mm -hmm. The next step is um, sort of running through the schedule and the calendar. And then you talk about old business, which is usually the rules, right? Screen time, bedtime chores. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about new business. And then we close the family meeting with um, uh, allowance so that our kids get practice managing money. And so if you have brought your child into the or children into the conversation throughout the job process, this will just be one more step, right? To say the excitement of getting the job and here's the family meeting. How are things going to change? So you can talk about, okay, here are the things that the parent at home has been doing. How should we as a family decide to divide those up? And hopefully your children will be bought in enough at that point that they will volunteer for different roles And you may find that there are some things that just don't get done right away. So maybe you're pulling laundry out of a clean laundry out of baskets for uh, a couple weeks. So so it's important to be realistic. Right. You may not have the exact same standards of housekeeping or organization. But if you agree as a family, we're going to let this slide as we're making this transition. Or if it really matters to someone, then maybe they pick it up. That's the kind of collaborative decision-making that can really avoid problems with our kids becoming defiant or not wanting to help because they've had a role in deciding. And then whatever charts work for you. So for the little kids, we can do visual charts. You could take photos of every stage in their morning or their afternoon routine. If they're involved in doing that, taking the pictures or pasting the pictures onto a visual chart, that's great. Older kids might work well with either an Excel chart or even reminders on a phone. Um, and again, whatever your family decides works for you. I find with my family, we like novelty and we like change. So every three or four months, we kind of have to change up the way that we're reminding people of the structure because we start to glaze over the things that are already mm-hmm. on the walls. So, so I would also say, you know, it's good to revisit quarterly. You know, how is it working? How you know, are there things we need to change? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I love the comment about lowering um, standards when Vivian Steer-Raven and I were writing uh, back on the career track, which came out in 2007, but we did a lot of interviewing of people and who were relaunching and the common refrain was my house is messier and I don't care. <laughs> Right. I love it. A general lowering of standards was helpful for all. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So that was kind of a theme. But we also talked to parents, you know, one mother who went back whose kids were a little older. She she didn't take the career break when they were babies, but when they were in middle school and she said they had a family meeting and she said everyone owes each person in the family owes the household a half an hour a day. And so they kind of marked that out. And then another example was one family made each kid in charge of dinner for one night. And this was a mother who, who was relaunching. She said, I didn't care if it was pasta and water for dinner, but the kid had was responsible for getting something on the table and getting their grocery list in order and reporting to me by Sunday morning when we were going to go shopping that day. So, yes,
1: Yes, I love, uh, yeah, involving kids in the household routines is so important because um, if they've helped plan the meals and cook them and will shop for them and cook them, there's a lot less complaining, you know, (laughs) and and during this pandemic, we have done that. Each person in the house has been responsible for one cooking one meal. Mm. And it's just um, such a, a wonderful way to teach responsibility, to build independence, and even during the training process, as you're teaching your kids to do these new chores or take on these new responsibilities, that can be a really special connection time, right? The first two or three times you cook a meal with your kid or you do laundry with them, you know, it, that can be a really fun way to share some time together and also get something done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember that mother saying her seventh grade boy was not enthusiastic about this dinner idea at the beginning, but as time went on, he got very possessive about it. So he it's like he went through a transformation of of owning it.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. And I and I will say also this is another opportunity to really be careful how you frame it. I hear a lot of times people talk about how do I make my kids do chores or how do I get my kids mm. to contribute. And if you present it as an opportunity, you know, or a need, like our family really needs these jobs to be done. How would you all like to work together? That when the kids have it presented as a question, they're much more likely to step forward. Whereas if you present it as you have to do this, they're going to step back. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just going to
1: ask this, is
0: bribery ever involved in, <laughs> in some way? What,
1: what is your oh, opinion I have on many, that? I have many feelings about bribery. So I uh, have extensive research in my book on rewards And I am sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but rewards do not work. Ah. So rewards actually disincentivize the behavior that you're trying to encourage. Hmm. If you're paying for grades, if you're offering dessert as a reward for eating the healthy food, you know, all of these things are actually going to undermine intrinsic motivation. That doesn't mean that they're evil. And I have given a, a gum to smile in a photo to for a child. Like, there are times when you just need the photo taken with the smile. And I don't really care if they have an intrinsic motivation to smile in a photo because right. they will eventually be teenagers and do it on their own. But we just need to bear that in mind that if we use bribery, it is a very weak tool that is going to lose its power. Mm. So do not use bribery for anything that we want to kind of hold fast and be a core value for our children. So around chores, contribution to the household. I don't even call them chores. I call them jobs because mm-hmm. we all want to be employed, right? And some, whether it's for pay or, or for love. So the, the things that we really want our kids to take ownership of, we should not use bribery. Mm. Um, we can certainly have um, family goals. Like if we can all together keep this house clean for a week, then we'll have a game night on Saturday mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing I think is very different than the powerful adult doling out rewards, because that sets up this power dynamic that, again, humans are just independent and rebellious. And whenever there's someone controlling us, we want to push back. So the more that we can keep the power dynamic respectful and equal and collaborative, the more cooperation we'll get. So um, I hope that's clear about the distinction between sort of family goals and and working together, which, which builds Cooperation and independence versus uh, the adult who's in charge, sort of deciding and, and doling out bribes.
0: Yeah, super helpful. I'm glad I asked. I, I, was, <laughs> I ask for
1: this? Um, uh,
0: all right, that that was that was extremely helpful. Um, let's move on to the topic of caregiving and caregiving arrangements. How soon should you introduce them? Should you introduce them? if you can afford it while you're still job searching, or maybe it's um, a family member, a grandparent who's coming in, um, uh, or you know, maybe you have, I, I remember one parent had uh, two high school students who job shared um, picking kids up from the bus and being with, with the kids for the afternoon from three to six until um, the parent got home. What, whatever you're setting up, should that be set up in advance? And if so, how far in advance?
1: Well, yes, I would say yes if you can afford it, um, or if you have a willing family member who will do it for free. Mm -hmm. It's always good for you to get the break from your kids and have you know just a little time to do an interview or to write a cover letter in peace, and for your children to experience that they are perfectly okay without you, that they actually can connect and and bond with and learn from another adult or an older you know a, a teenager in in a way that maybe brings them something that they don't get from you right it's mm-hmm. great for the kids to have lots of positive connections with as many caring responsible adults as possible so it's hard at first and i remember this myself right going back to work and and leaving your child for the first time and you feel like you're the only one who can meet your child's needs but that's actually not a healthy relationship long-term for our children. Mm -hmm. From zero to 18, we want to work ourselves out of a job. We want them to be okay without us, where other people can meet their needs and then eventually they can meet their own needs. They can advocate for themselves. So yes, so introduce, um you know, caregiving early if you can, even if it's just a few hours a week to give you a little bit of a break and to have them experience that. And then that also gives you a little more comfort with, okay, they are going to be okay once I do go back to work. And the question of how far in advance I think is a hard one because you sort of don't know how long you're going to be looking, mm-hmm. right? But I, but I would say at least a month if you can, you know, if you can do it a month, before you sort of anticipate that you're going to be committed to being at work for regular hours, I would say that's a good good time. And
0: you know, all kids are different, but let's say you've done a lot of planning, you've you've followed a lot of the suggestions that, that you've presented to us in this conversation, Catherine, but you have a child who is particularly anxious about the transition or is um, very sad or is acting out in some way in the first few months or a few weeks of the relaunch, how do you recommend handling that kind of situation?
1: It's so hard when we see our kids upset or anxious or sad. And it's really natural for us to want to solve that problem for them, right? Make the pain go away, reassure them um, make them happy again, right? Mm-hmm. And as we talked about before, our kids have to experience the whole range of human emotions, right? There is no life that has no anxiety or sadness. So, mm-hmm. so I think the first piece is for us internally to be comfortable that this is normal and natural. You're not causing your child to be sad. You're not feeding their anxiety, right? This is actually going to give them practice for future life transitions that may be hard. And I find that really a helpful place to start because I always want to rush in there and like kiss the boo-boos and Mm -hmm. make the problems go away. But the great saying is we do not prepare the path for the child. We prepare the child for the path. We want to let our kids have practice. So great tools, reflective listening. I know it's really hard when you see dad heading out the door and you know, I'm not going to be back for three hours. I miss you too. And you're with this person who's caring for you, you know, brainstorm ways that they could feel safer or happy or, you know, think of you when you're away. There's some great books out there for that moment of separation. Um, I remember one about like holding a kiss in your hand. Mm. Um, That was really great. Mm -hmm. And just letting them talk about those feelings and be confident and lead with courage and just you have to imbue your s- sort of sense of confidence through your whole body. Even if this is a, this is a situation for fake it till you make it. If, even if you have to channel you know someone you admire who's really calm, mm-hmm. you know, to, to give that confident leadership during those moments. Another great tool is special time. So it's like a prescription whenever kids are acting up one on one, one parent, one child, dedicated time that is on the calendar and they choose what you do. So for our little guys, it's maybe just 10 minutes playing Candyland or, you know, building with blocks or playing, you know, with dolls, whatever they decide. And it's, we treat it as a sacred appointment on our calendar, just like anything else. We don't answer the phone. We don't take interruptions from other family members. Mm-hmm. If you can do it daily, that's great. Or, But even once a week is, is a really great way to just connect with your children and fill their emotional bucket, right? Another thing I mentioned before when kids act up is involving them and sort of giving them more opportunities to contribute. So you could even just ask them, like, what would help? What do you think would help? I have a list of age-appropriate jobs in the back of my book. So you can show them the list and say, hey, which of these jobs would you like to learn? And often it's something involving a knife or a flame or a piece (laughs) of equipment, you know? And and so you're going to just teach kids to use them safely. But, you know, giving our kids more responsibility often, it's sort of counterintuitive. But when they're acting fearful and scared and small, they want to feel bigger. They want to feel more in charge. Um, They want to have that. And anxiety is a really important one to nip in the bud because anxiety feeds on avoidance. So if our kids are anxious and they don't ever have to face that tough thing that they're worried about, then they don't get that desensitization and the the practice dealing with anxiety. So we want to be very careful to balance, right? only as much as they can handle, but, you know, with comfort from a, an adult that they're attached to, but don't let the anxiety drive the adult decision-making. Great
0: advice. And when you're talking about spending time with uh, the child uh, on their terms um, with, you know, they pick the activity reminded of one relauncher, who said, you know, when I got home from work, I just wanted to talk about the day. But I realized that my kid just wanted to go outside and throw the ball with me. And I had to make that adjustment. So I.
1: Yes, that's a good one. And I've heard this advice, too, that the five minute reconnection time, you know, after you've been out of the house or you've been apart, even when they're on Zoom school and you're on a a, a Zoom meeting, Mm -hmm. that. You know, make sure your eyes light up when you see your child, Mm. right? And give them that five minutes of just devoted time to connect. And then you can talk about your day, and then you can take off your stockings or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. So, Catherine, what about celebrating the relaunch? I I remember um one person that we spoke to said that their family had a tradition, even with her own parents. Like they'd sit around the d- dining table. Her father was in sales, and when he would get a new account or some sort of a sales achievement, they would all celebrate around the table. So I'm wondering um. Can you bring this into the relaunch context and and celebrate something about the parent making this transition?
1: Yes, I love that idea. and you know, I've been covering workplace and careers in addition to parenting for a couple decades now. and the the most high powered working parents that I interview or who are partners at law firms or consulting firms or CEOs, they seem to make it work by engaging their family in their careers and you know even when possible traveling with their kids or you know bringing their 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 family into their work lives and then also bringing you know some of their their work lives into their family. So so I think whenever we can do that is great. So that could be a celebratory dinner. It could be even, you know, something visual that we put on the wall, you know, something that celebrates not just your adult accomplishment, but how the whole family worked together to do it. Mm. So I know when my book launched, my kids were very involved all the way along. And, mm-hmm. and when my book came out, you know, they were so excited for the launch party. They helped me plan it. They helped with decorations, you know. So when we have big events in our careers, might. My- partner and I both, you know, they'll say, oh, well, let's do a fancy dinner. And they like to dress up even if we're just at home and then we put out candles. So, you know, your family develops your own traditions. When they were really little, they would bring their, you know, Fisher Price cash register and pretend that we were in a restaurant and like ring us up and one kid was the waiter. And, you know, so so you don't let it go wherever your kids want to take it. Um, and But definitely ask them, how should we celebrate? And then you, you'll find out where it goes. And it can be really, wonderful Mm. and delightful places.
0: I like the idea of asking them once again, bringing them into the process. So we're running out of time now, Catherine, and I want to ask you the question that we ask all of our podcast guests. And that is what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience? Even if it's something that we've already talked about today.
1: My one piece of advice is to believe in yourself and believe in your kids because when we are doing hard things, that is when growth happens. So you're going to have uncomfortable moments. You're going to have moments of self-doubt. But if you have the courage to lead your family through this transition, everyone's going to grow and and develop in, in ways you couldn't have imagined. And when I look at the things that I've accomplished in my career, the one question I occasionally ask myself is, why didn't I try to do this sooner? right? It's usually because I had like a self doubt, or I had imposter syndrome, or I thought I wasn't ready yet. And so looking back, I think the only thing I would have done different was to just have more confidence earlier. And, and so I just want to give that to, to your is Just believe in yourself now. Don't wait.
0: That's a great way to end. And Catherine, how can people find out more about your book and your parent education work?
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Carol. I always love hearing from listeners and readers. You can go to my website, katherinrlewis.com, which is K A T H E R I N E R. L-E-W-I-S.com. And my book is there and articles I've written and classes I'm teaching, upcoming events. I also am uh, launching a masterclass series with a number of 18 different wonderful best-selling uh, parenting authors called the Parenting in Place Masterclass Series. And you can find that at Parenting in Place parentinginplacemasterclass.com. And um, you can also link to it just through my website. And I'd love to hear from anyone who's listening and has follow-up questions.
0: Wow, the terrific resources for everyone. Catherine, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us.
1: So great to talk to you and to reconnect, Carol. Good luck with all of your really wonderful work supporting relaunchers. Thank you so much.
0: And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break.